step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, Three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super-duper successful. So the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, success is how high you bounce after you hit the bottom. And that's from General George Patton, because trust me, Every single one of us is going to hit the bottom at some point in our lives if we're working on or trying to do anything, right? It's about how high we spring up from when we bounce on that bottom, all right? So the title of today's show is The Harder You Fall, The Higher You Bounce, 13 Ways to Bounce Back from Adversity. I want to thank all of you. Trust me, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Profile number one. Max James. Now, Max was born in Humboldt, Tennessee. His dad was a sharecropper, and when he was eight years old, he got behind two gray mules and he learned how to plow the land because they couldn't afford a tractor. Now, wow, this kid was eight years old doing the farming. Eight years old. We don't even want to let our eight year olds cross the street. Here's the thing. This guy was eight years old and doing the farming. Absolutely amazing. His family was very poor as they didn't have indoor plumbing, and Max wore shirts that his mom made out of flower sacks. From an early age, his dad taught him that the more he knew, the more he could earn. He would pick cotton, shuck corn, and bale hay. Although Max knew how to do and did all of these things, he hated farming. Now, at the age of 13, his dad allowed him to go into town and search for another job. Max was able to get a job sacking groceries, and he worked sales in a clothing store. At 13, this kid was working two jobs. Now, after Max finished high school, he got into the Air Force Academy. When Vietnam came, he joined the Jolly Green Giant Combat Rescue Squadron, which rescued down fighter pilots. Twice he got shot down on rescue missions, and he was awarded three distinguished flying crosses. Once he got out the military, Max went to Stanford University, where he got his MBA. After graduating from Stanford, he would go on to work for Adnan Khashoggi, a billionaire merchant in Saudi Arabia. Max would fly from country to country doing deals and enjoying parties on Adnan's yacht. 
One day, Max had a revelation that he was spending too much time away from his family overseas, so he decided to quit and go back home. In 1978, he moved his family to Sacramento and got into real estate. Now, there he partnered with Days Inn of America and built hotels and motels. He also bought the franchise rights for a large area in California for Remax Realtors. Max did well with real estate until the 1990 recession hit, when he got into serious financial trouble. He had to borrow money and sell his dream home just to stay afloat and not go bankrupt. Now, some friends of his from the nutritional supplement industry called him and asked him to join a network marketing company called New Vision International. Max became a distributor and built an organization of about 30,000 people and was making a lot of money. He went from losing his house to making $80,000 a month. Remember, remember when the real estate crash came back in 1990, he lost his house. He had to borrow money from his friends just to survive. But guess what? Max was resilient. He bounced right back, even though he lost everything, right? He was able to go into a network marketing company, build an organization of 30,000 people, and get his income back to $80,000 a month. Now, Max's mantra became, the harder I fall, the higher I bounce. In 1996, Max left New Vision because of a disagreement on how supplements for ADD were being promoted. Max went on to work with another network marketing company, Metabolite, that allowed him to sell their product in mall kiosks. Max opened 84 Metabolite cart and kiosk. He was now making $40,000 a month. He liked the business that he was in, so he started American Kiosk Management and began looking for other products to sell on the carts. His kiosk would sell things like disc gear, yo-yos, NFL and NBA apparel, and Avon Cosmetics. His biggest challenge was creating sufficient cash flow to expand at a rapid pace. Now, because there was a lot of competition to get into malls, he formed six LLCs with various investors. They would put up the money and he would return 70% of the profits to them until they got their money back and then they would get 30% and he would get 70%. It cost him about $10,000 to launch each location, which covered buying the products to sell and the lease and the payroll. When they first started, they didn't have a national bank that they were working with, so he would choose a local bank with a branch in the mall or nearby so that night deposits would be secure. They ended up working with a bunch of different banks, so every night he would have to call each bank to determine how much money they made at each location. He would then FedEx checks to place product orders every night because they didn't have enough money to store up inventory now this was a phenomenal thing that this guy did right he knew he needed to expand so he just brought in a bunch of investors he brought in a bunch of investors and he was able to expand and he offered them favorable terms he said look until i pay you back i'm going to give you 70 percent of everything that i make and i'll keep 30 to run the business and then once i pay you back i'm going to take the 70 and you take the 30 a lot of us haven't thought of something like that. A lot of us are out here looking for ways that we can build our business or to even start a business. What an amazing idea that Max had. 
Now, oftentimes, they would run out of product, so store employees were trained to tell the customers that the product was selling so good that they sold out and they got the customer to pre-purchase the items. Now, of course, it was the beginning of him starting this business, so they wouldn't have enough product all the time, right? But instead of telling the customers, hey, we don't have the product or whatever, you know what? What they would tell the customers, what he would instruct his employees to tell the customers is, hey, this product is selling so good. Why don't you pre-purchase it? Why don't you pay us for it in advance? And when it comes in, you'll be the first to get it. And guess what? The customers bought it. Now, their biggest seller became proactive acne and skin care products at the time proactive was only sold through their 800 number but max convinced the company to let him sell it in the malls he was able to build the proactive mall business up to 400 manned carts in the u.s and canada and began selling the line through automated machines as well they were opening new mall locations every other day it's amazing because i always remember seeing these proactive locations and i just assumed that the company is the one that owned it I didn't realize it was an outside company that owned these locations. In 2008, they were doing $170 million a year in proactive sales and about $5 million in other products. Now, here's the thing. How many different businesses did Max have that failed? But guess what? Every single time one of those businesses failed, right, he got back into something that helped him to make even more money. But tragedy struck again. When the 2008 recession hit, sales went way down. Max says that the shopping mall industry is in total chaos. Amazon, which we talked about last week, right? We talked about Jeff Bezos and other online companies accelerated at a rate no one expected. They would have to reduce their manned locations and now have 100 carts and 600 automated vending locations. Last year, their revenue fell by more than 50% to $80 million. Again, Max had to reinvent himself. Max says that most entrepreneurs go through financial cycles. He's been up and down and even though they are in the downturn right now he expects to bounce back higher than ever before he said that you just have to be resilient and embrace change now this is such an amazing story of resilience if max isn't resilient then i don't know what resilient is how many times did he fall to get back up even higher let's now recap all of his falls first He grew up extremely poor and had to plow his family's farm at the age of eight, right? Where most eight-year-olds nowadays are just playing video games all day. This kid was out there doing the work of a farm tractor at eight years old. Now, next, after high school, he went to the Air Force, and during the Vietnam War, he got shot down two times, yet he was still awarded three distinguished flying crosses, After that, he had a great job making a lot of money and partying, but would leave that job so he was able to spend more time with his family. After that, in 1990, he lost his dream house and would have to borrow money from friends not to go bankrupt. After that, he joined a network marketing company and went from nearly bankrupt to making $80,000 a month, only to lose that after a disagreement with the company that he was working with. And then finally, he built his kiosk business to a high of $175 million a year in sales, only to see it get cut down to less than half of that after watching the retail business 
go into total chaos. Every time this guy has a setback, he just gets back up and takes it to the next level. Now, I'm not sure what Max's next move is going to be, but I can promise you that whatever it may be, he's going to excel far past what he has ever done. It wouldn't surprise me if five years from now we hear that Max is a billionaire because that's what he does. Every time he gets knocked down to the ground, he figures out a way to get back up and not only get back up, but get back up higher than he was before. Let's now take a look at some advice that Max gives us on how to rebound after failures. Number one, have patience. Max says that bouncing back is often a waiting game. When his first real estate company didn't do well, he was approaching panic mode. He refused to accept a make-do employment position. Holding out for a better opportunity led to becoming a partner in Days In and his first seven-figure net worth. And number two, have courage. When Max had to sell his home in 1990, he had trouble making the payments on a rental house and faced hordes of debt collectors. It took courage to call friends and associates, show humility in admitting his financial condition, and ask them to borrow money. He says for an entrepreneur to get up and try again takes courage, knowing that another failure is likely inevitable at some point. What an absolutely amazing story of resilience. Now, let's briefly go over some of the most resilient people that we've covered over the last two years on Power and a Half Hour. Number one, J.K. Rowling. Now, J.K. had just gotten a divorce and was on government aid, right, which is welfare, and could barely afford to feed her baby in 1994, three years before the first Harry Potter book was published. She was so poor that she couldn't afford a computer or even the cost of photocopying the 90,000-word novel, so she manually typed out each version that she sent out to publishers. She was rejected by tons of publishers before one finally took a chance on her. Her net worth now is currently over $1 billion. This is a lady that got rejected so many times over and over and over again until finally somebody believed in her. Good thing she didn't quit. Good thing that she kept going. She was resilient. Number two, Stephen King was broke and struggling when he first started writing. He lived in a trailer with his wife, who was also a writer. They both worked multiple jobs to support their family while pursuing their craft. They were so poor that they had to borrow clothes for their wedding and had gotten rid of the telephone because they could not afford it. Stephen received over 60 rejection letters before selling his first short story. Now, how many of us would have quit after 1, 2, 5, 10, 20 rejection letters? This man kept going. He received 60 rejection letters before somebody bought his first short story. He has gone on to sell over 350 million novels worldwide and has a net worth of over $400 million. Number three, Tyler Perry. Now, Tyler Perry had a rough childhood as he was physically and sexually abused while he was growing up. He got kicked out of high school and tried to commit suicide twice, once as a preteen and again at 22. At 23, he moved to Atlanta and worked odd jobs while he was pursuing his acting career. In 1992, he wrote, 
produced and starred in his first theater production. He put all of his savings into the show and it failed miserably. Now, this would be enough for most people to quit. You save up all your money, put it all of it into what it is that you're doing. It fails. And then now you're just heartbroken and you just can't even move on. Now, I'm sure he was heartbroken, but guess what? He knew that he had to go on. The run lasted just one weekend and only 30 people came out to watch it. Can you imagine? You probably working for a whole year, saving up all your money to throw this theater show. And you're expecting thousands of people to come out. And only 30 people come out to watch your show. Now, over the next six years, he kept at it, often having to sleep in his car to get by. So not only did he continue one year, two years, three years, four years, five years of failure, six years of failure, six years of failure. Now, six years after his first productions on its seventh run. So during his seventh year, his show finally became a success. Now, how many of us would have quit after one year, two years, three years? Not Tyler. He kept going. He kept going, even having to sleep in his car. So a lot of people see what he has right now, see where he's at right now, and are jealous of him. No, you have no right to be jealous of that man. Because would you have sacrificed for six years, six years for your dream? He deserves everything that he has. For six years, this man had to sleep in his car. This man had to sacrifice for six years. Do you know how embarrassing that is? You throw a show and no one comes out to it for six years. Not six days, but six years. Tyler Perry has gone on to become one of the most successful men in the entertainment industry with a net worth of over $600 million. And number four, Shania Twain. She started singing in bars at the age of eight to help her mother and stepfather as they were unable to make enough money to get by. When she was 21, her parents were killed in a car accident. Shania put her career on hold to help take care of her younger siblings who were in their teens. Once her youngest brother graduated high school, she resumed her career. Now, she has gone on to win five Grammys and 27 BMI awards with a net worth of over $370 million. Another great story of resilience. She could have easily have quit. She could have said, you know what? My parents are dead now. I got to take care of my younger brothers and sisters. You know what? This music industry thing just isn't going to work. She could have easily have said that. But she said, you know what? I'm going to make sure my brothers and sisters get through high school. And then I'm going after my dream. I'm going to put my all into it. And I'm going to make sure it happens. And that's exactly what she did. Now, Resilience is the ability to return to the original form after being bent, stretched, or compressed. It's the ability to readily recover from illness, depression, or anxiety. Now, let me ask you a few questions. Number one, how would you handle it if you lost everything that you have? Number two, what would your next step be? Number three, how long would you be depressed upset and angry for number four what would it take for you to pull yourself up and start all over again number five 
Could you handle it? Number six, could you learn from all your disappointments and start all over again? Number seven, what would it take for you to bounce back? And number eight, how resilient are you? Let me repeat these questions. I love these questions. Just something for us to think about. Number one, how would you handle it if you lost everything that you have? I want you to really take some time to think about these questions. Number two, what would your next step be? Number three, how long would you be depressed, upset, and angry for? Number four, what would it take for you to pull yourself up and start all over again? Number five, could you handle it? Most people couldn't. Most people would crumble under the pressure. Number six, could you learn from all of your disappointments and start all over again? What choice do you have? What choice do you have? You might as well learn from it and take what you've learned and then take it to the next level. Everyone that's resilient, that's what they're able to do. Number seven, what would it take for you to bounce back? Think about these questions now. And number eight, how resilient are you? Now, whether your losses had anything to do with you or not, your future success has everything to do with you. Resilient people fully understand this and they decide to never give up. Let's take a look at some of the traits of resilient people. These are the traits that resilient people have. Number one, they are strong people who realize the importance of having a good social support system and are able to surround themselves with supportive friends and families. They don't surround themselves with people that are constantly dogging them and telling them that, hey, you can't make it. Why are you trying? You might as well give up. They surround themselves with supportive people that are going to encourage them and motivate them to keep on going. Number two, they look at the bright side of a situation. They believe in their own strength and their ability to address and overcome any problem. During a crisis, they are good to have around because of their optimism. You want to be around resilient people. You want to be around people that say, you know what, even though things look bad right now, we can still make it. You don't want to be around pessimists, right? Anytime I see people and they are extremely pessimists, I stay away from them because those people will bring you down with their negative thoughts and their words. Number three, they are childlike in their interest in what is going on. They are curious about situations. They experiment wonder about things and laugh. They're not caught up in what was the history. They focus on the new possibilities. Number four, they are connected to what is important to them in life, their values, and see meaning and purpose in what they do. Instead of getting emotional about a situation, they align their thoughts and actions with their values. Number five, they focus on the important things and don't fight things they cannot control. Let me repeat this. They focus on the important things and don't fight things that they cannot control. Resilient people save their energy to fight the battles that are necessary. They know what they control and what is out of reach. You hear what I'm saying? They don't get overly focused on the things that they can't control. They realize what it is that they can control and what's out of reach, and they work on the things that they can control. Number six, they take responsibility for their physical well-being. That allows them to be physically and emotionally resilient. 
Number seven, when a problem arises, they seek solutions. They can live with uncertainty and ambiguity until they find the solution. This gives them room to grow. Number eight, they always see something negative as an opportunity to do something better or get something better. They consider adversity a challenge, not a threat. Number nine, they don't take themselves too seriously. They have a sense of humor about life's challenges. And number 10, they have faith in themselves to overcome anything that life may throw at them. Now, we have to remember that adversity is just a fact of life. How well you respond to adversity, how resilient you are, and how fast you can bounce back after failure a setback or a disappointment will determine not only how far you'll go in life, but the amount of satisfaction you receive out of life. Resilience is the difference between facing your problems bravely and confidently and feeling helpless. Now I'll share with you ways that you can become more resilient so you can bounce back higher when life throws you to the ground. Number one, work on your mental flexibility. Now, mental flexibility is having the ability to shift gears when you need to and being able to generate and evaluate several different options in order to respond effectively to any situation. Mental flexibility allows you to adjust to the conditions that you're facing instead of struggling with the way things are and to problem solve more effectively. Now, Dr. Melissa Mullen recommends that you can develop your mental flexibility by playing board games that force you to constantly reevaluate your plans and change your strategy in response to the actions taken by other players. Once you acquire these skills, you can apply them to real life, which will help you to become more resilient. Number two, look for ways to derive meaning from adversity. Looking at an unexpected situation as nothing more than a waste of time and resources is emotionally draining. When facing adversity or a negative situation, you need to look for ways to pull some meaning from what is happening. For example, ask yourself what new skills you need to learn in order to handle the present situation, which will come in helpful in the future. Also, ask yourself how going through adversity will help you to become a better rounded individual. Number three, transform hardship into a challenge. Labeling something as a challenge instead of labeling it as a hardship is much more than simply changing some words. Hardship usually refers to suffering. Challenge usually refers to opportunity. Ask yourself, how can you turn the negative situation which you're facing into a productive one? We must remember that when we view a situation as a threat, it sets off the fight or flight response, which causes our body to get stressed. We talked about stress before, so we know the effect that stress has on our body. When we view a situation as a challenge, our bodies release hormones that prevent, that promote cell repair and trigger relaxation and uses energy efficiently. Number four, avoid thinking traps. When things go wrong, do you get stuck in a spiral of asking yourself over and over again how or why something like this could have happened? Do you start looking for others whom you can blame? Do you make problems more pervasive than they really are? If so, be warned. Be warned that these are all thinking traps. 
Avoid any line of thinking that leads to a dead end. Instead, engage in thoughts that help you look for a way out of the situation that you're currently in or help you to solve the problem that you are facing. Number five, shift to active thinking. Active thinking leads to action. And in order to get yourself out of a negative situation, you need to act. Let me repeat that. Active thinking leads to action. And in order to get yourself out of a negative situation, you need to do what? You need to act. In order to shift into active thinking, ask yourself questions such as the following. Number one, how can I contain the problem so it doesn't get any worse? Number two, what can I do to limit the scope or the duration of this problem? Number three, how can I reduce the potential downside of this problem? Number four, how can I increase the potential upside of this event? Number five, what aspects can I control? And number six, how can I best respond? Number six, look for a role model. Study people you admire who are resilient. Analyze how they deal with adversity and create rules for yourself based on your findings. Number seven, inoculate yourself against stress. Now, inoculating yourself against stress works on the same principle as medical immunization. A physician inoculates his or her patient against disease by introducing small amounts of a virus into their bloodstream. This activates the body's natural immune responses. You inoculate yourself against stress by intentionally exposing yourself to various stressors. That is anything that's outside of your comfort zone. Here are some ideas. Go out to dinner by yourself. Learn something new. Do something that frightens you and so on. Build up your immunity to stress in the same way in which you would build muscles by lifting weights at the gym. Start with something small and gradually work your way up to bigger and more difficult challenges. By inoculating yourself against stress, you'll be much better prepared to deal with the stress that comes from adversity. Therefore, you'll be increasing your resiliency. I talk about this all the time. Doing things outside of your comfort zone. Doing things that you're uncomfortable with. By doing that, you are increasing what you're able to do. Number eight, practice realistic optimism. Resilient people feel that they can cope with whatever life throws at them. This doesn't mean that when something goes wrong, they pretend that everything is fine and that things will fix themselves. What it means is that they see the situation for what it is, but they're confident by taking right action, they'll be able to overcome the adversity and continue on their way. Number nine, visualize a positive outcome. This is one that I do every day. This point is related to the previous one. When facing adversity, ask yourself the following. What do I want my life to look like on the other side of this adversity? Visualize what you want as clearly as you can and then think of a series of steps that you can take in order to start moving in that direction. Number 10, adopt a strengths perspective. Think of an adversity that you've had to face in the past and ask yourself what strengths you relied on in order to get past it. As an illustration, you may have relied on your great sense of humor or on your spiritual faith. Then ask yourself, how can you apply those same strengths to the situation that you are currently facing? Number 11, be connected by building strong, 
positive relationships with others, you'll be creating a support system which you can rely on when things go wrong. It's easier to get through adversity if you're surrounded by people who are willing to listen and offer a helping hand if need be than it is to try and go it alone. Number 11, nurture yourself. Ask yourself what you can do in order to nurture yourself. Examples include spending time in nature, listening to uplifting music, reading something motivational, watching a movie you find inspiring, and so on. This will help you to shift your outlook from dejection to hope and to transform anxiety to positive energy. Number 12, be connected. By building strong, positive relationships with others, you'll be creating a support system which you can rely on when things go wrong. It's easier to get through adversity if you're surrounded by people who are willing to listen and offer a helping hand if need be than it is to try and go it alone. And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, the keys to success are hard work, persistence, and the ability to bounce back from failure. All right? Thank you much, and until next show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.